0: For some of us, Christmas is a glad time with a lot of added stress. For some of us, Christmas is a sad time with a lot of added stress and anxiety. We chose this Christmas season to talk every Sunday during this month and on Christmas Eve about this notion of peace on earth. Is it In any way, shape, or form possible to have inner peace as we deal with life, even as we deal with Christmas. In order for me to teach you today on this subject of how to experience inner peace, which we believe is possible, I've got to take you away from the cradle, the birth of Jesus, and I've got to take you actually to his last will and testament. Just before he goes to the cross, cradle to cross. And we have in the New Testament four chapters, which was Jesus' final words before he would go to the cross. We're going to take a look at those today. But here's the essential verse that comes out of that message that he gives during his last will and testament. Look at this. Peace I leave with you. My peace. I give you. Whatever kind of peace Jesus Christ himself had, he says, this is my gift. You know, when Jesus was about to die, he didn't have any gold to leave his disciples. He didn't have anything. I mean, even the robe that he wore was stolen from him on the cross, right? He had nothing. But he said, this is my gift to you. I give you My peace. Wouldn't you love to have that? He said he gives it to us. How do we experience it? Most of us don't. Look what Billy Graham says. He says, Most people yearn for one thing more than anything else. Inner peace. Inner peace. Without it, they have no lasting happiness or security. I think that's true. I've certainly experienced the same thing in my life. So once again, is peace possible? And two, what the heck is it? Definition of peace. I shared this two weeks ago. A tranquility and a freedom from inner and outer disturbance. A tranquility, a freedom from inner disturbance or outer disturbance in our lives. Wow. Is that attainable? Is that possible? It, kind of, it seems like in our world we kind of go the other way on the whole thing. If, if peace is God's promise to us, anxiety is our reality. Okay, and to show you how my mind works is I was thinking on this whole thing of peace versus anxiety, and uh, this week, it bounced me back a long time, okay? Right after I had finished college, I was getting ready to start out in my life, and being a young single, when things are so crazy and so hard, uh, a movie came out that I knew would make me laugh. And I needed to laugh. During my 20s, you can take life far too seriously in your 20s, right? And your parents tell you, you should. Okay, so I I get all that. I get it. All right, so this movie comes out from one of our great comedians. His name is Mel Brooks. And Mel Brooks does this parody on suspense. He actually dedicated this to to, um, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, okay? Psycho and all of that sort of stuff. And he called it High Anxiety, You see him up there, that's like from Psycho, that's like from Vertigo. He's going down there, and it's meant to be a psycho comedy, is what he called it. And I thought, oh, this is what I need. You know, just kind of help me have some fun, not take life so seriously. Well, I did not like this movie. (laughs) He took all these life situations that weren't so different than me, and he tried to make them funny. They're not. Okay? Okay? And and then his final parody is he actually takes High Anxiety and he writes a, like a, a love torch song to, to Anxiety. It goes something like this. He goes, High Anxiety, it's always the same. High Anxiety, it's you that I blame. It's very clear to me. I've got to give in. High Anxiety, you win. And that's our lives. yeah. So that's why I still remember it from like 30 years ago. Because that's what real life seems to be about. No wonder the Apostle Paul will hit directly on this. And we're going to study this passage later this morning. But look at this one verse where he flat out just says this. Don't be high anxiety about anything. And the word anxious there in the original language means don't be torn to pieces about anything. Not a bad descriptor for high anxiety, is it? Torn to pieces internally or externally. That seems to be what our lives are like. I, I uh, as, as you know, if you listen to me often, I use the Bible as my primary guide for life and Winnie the Pooh is a distant second. Okay? <laughs> so... In the, in, 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 and, and think of the characters in Winnie the Pooh. You've got Tigger just kind of bouncing with optimism and happiness. You've got Eeyore who's always depressed. And then you've got, you've got um, Winnie the Pooh who's kind of, if there is a tranquil person, he just kind of floats through things, accomplishing great things, didn't know he did it. But, but who is the high anxiety person of the Pooh saga? Rabbit, yes. Oh my God. And, and Pooh's always going, chill, rabbit. Just chill. Our lives are more like rabbit than they are like Winnie the Pooh. Several of us were on an airplane a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Jeff and, and Marie and Kelly and Mark and, and Ted, and we were coming back from a conference in California. And Pastor Ted Canaris was sitting next to a woman who had just finished being at a um, conference in California on meditation, in order to deal with stress. Lots of that stuff goes on in California. <laughs> That's why I like it there. Um, but, but she was coming back from this like conference on, on meditation. And Ted, if you know anything about Ted, Ted's kind of direct. I mean, he just straight, even you know, he's just he's just got that gift and he and she 's talking about this conference, and to take care of her stress he goes how 's that working for you?" <laughs> <laughs> and you know what this woman said? She goes, "My life is a raging ocean that 's what my life is like a raging ocean you know uh, uh, meditation, yoga, massage, herbal tea." Uh, <laughs> They're all good for suppressing anxiety, but they don't extinguish it, do they? I want something that can extinguish it. Uh, Again, read what Billy Graham's had to say about this whole issue. The world doesn't give peace because it doesn't have peace to give. It fights for peace. It maneuvers for peace, but there is no ultimate peace to be found in this world. Instead, we've got high anxiety. High anxiety. Oh God, is there a way to move from an anxious life to a tranquil life? From a stressed out life to a life that's more peaceful? The Bible says yes. The Bible says yes. Not only is inner peace possible, hang on, it's promised. Okay? I want to get a hold of some of that, don't you, in your life? I mean, I'd settle for just 5% more. I, 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 I'd, like to, I'd like to become an 80-20 person. See, what's that? 80% of the time I'm floating in peacefulness, no matter what's going on in my life. And then, you know, because I'm human, I'll, I'll let the 20% still be wacky. Yeah. Well, it, is it possible? All right, I think it is, and that's what I'm heading straight into now. There are two truths about inner peace. Two truths you need to know. This is a summary of where the texts are going to take us this morning. Two truths about inner peace. One, peace comes from a person. Peace comes from a person. And secondly, peace comes from practice. A person and a practice. A person and a practice. All right. Number one, peace comes from a person. Please open your Bibles to John chapter 14. It's the passage that Kelly read for us so well just a few minutes ago as she was near the candle. This is part of Jesus Christ's last will and testament to his disciples before he goes to the cross. John chapter 14 on page 1068 in our Bibles on the uh, chairbacks. All right. Look with me at verse 16. I'm going to read 16 through 19. 16 through 19. Got it? Got it open or turned on? All right. Starting at verse 16. And I will ask the Father... This is Jesus speaking before He goes to the cross. I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and he will be, future tense, in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live you also will live. Wow. All right. Kind of esoteric. This is John at his best, okay? Quoting the exact words of Jesus Christ. Now, first thing, advocate. Notice that's what he said in 16. I'm asking the Father. Incidentally, isn't it interesting that Jesus prayed? If Jesus needed to talk to God the Father, I guess we do too. Okay. I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate. Jesus himself is an advocate, but Jesus is an advocate in flesh and blood, one place at a time. He's going to give you an advocate. He will help you, and he will be with you forever. Advocate. It's such a rich word that different translations use a different English word here. Sometimes they call it comforter. Another counselor. Strengthener, helper. I mean, just think of those five words. It's such a rich word, no one English word can contain it. He is going to send an advocate, comforter, counselor, strengthener, helper into your life. To what? To help you. Oh, yes. I need that, Lord. And be with you. Oh, yes, Lord. And it says to be with you forever. Whoever this advocate is, whoever this person is that is advocate, he's going to be with us forever. Fascinating. And now verse 17. Here's who he is. The Spirit. Many modifiers are added to the term Spirit in the New Testament. Most often it's Holy Spirit. But there are others. This is one of them. The spirit of truth. If you're taking a look at Christianity, considering it for the spirituality in the center of your life, here's what we want you to know. We believe there's one God and this one God is three distinct and whole persons. Father, Son, and Advocate, Spirit. An invisible personality. As much God as the Father is God, as much God as the Son is God, the Spirit is God. And many of us in our churches spend too little time thinking about Him. But Jesus says, hey guys, just before I go to the cross, I want you to know He is coming. All right? The Spirit. Let's keep going with this now. He says He's going to be with you. The end of verse 17. And he will be, future tense, hold on to that. He will be in you. In you. What? How does that happen? We'll talk about that in a minute. Verse 18. I love this line of our Lord. He says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. You know, they had every right to say, yes, you are. You say you're going to the cross. You say that you're going to die. You talk about coming back. We don't quite understand that at all. But the point is, you're leaving. He says, I would never leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, look at this, verse 19. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will. That's weird. How's that going to happen? The world won't see me anymore, but you will see me. And because I live, you will live also. Huh? He's talking about the Spirit. One God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The world won't see me. God. Triune. But you will. You will know me. I will be. No, you're not, Jesus. You're going to go to. You're going to die. You're going to rise from the dead, and 40 days later, you're going to transport in resurrection body to the to the to be with the Father. So why is he saying, "I'll be here, I'll be with you"? Because God is the Spirit. Okay. All right. Now, now jump down. Jump down to verse 26. You see the, you see the text again. This special word, Advocate. The Spirit, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, verse 26, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and He will remind you of everything I have said to you. Something about the Spirit... The Advocate coming is going to cause us to cause them to remember everything Jesus said. Is going to cause them to understand the teachings of God like no one else can. The Spirit is going to be the teacher within our life, bringing truth to us. When when Pastor Rob or myself or any of the other uh, people are here teaching, and you you get an aha, oh, you go ooh. Maybe you don't do it out loud. I do sometimes. I had to know who in the, in the music today, uh, when one of the guys was doing something, I, didn't, I, didn't, I leaned to Jim. Gene, uh, what's your name? Jill. Yeah. <laughs> Spirit just told me that. Uh, and I said, Jill. Oh, that was good. The Spirit is within God's people. He is in us. Now, He's not in some of you. Unless you have received Jesus Christ. Unless you have been born all over again. He's not in you. You say, well, he must be. I grew up Catholic. He must be. I grew up Lutheran. No, no, no. That's just a building. He must be. I was baptized, homogenized, samphorized, and pasteurized. (laughs) No, 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 no. All of those things are important and good. But have you? received Him into your life? Have you been born all over again? More on that in a few minutes. Now, that whole passage then ends with verse 27. Look at it. Here's the great peace line. and, And I'd love to put a so in front of it because of all these things we've just talked about. So, peace I leave with you. My peace. I give you. The world doesn't understand this at all and can't touch it. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let them be afraid. This final aspect of the advocate, who is the teacher, who is the one that brings remembrance back to us, he is peace. And he's never frazzled. The Holy Spirit will never sing high anxiety. Doesn't know what it is. Why? Well, because he's God. And he flat out runs everything. And he's got it all in his hands. Perfect peace is in the person of God. And the person of God as spirit takes up residency inside us absolute peace. Oh, Lord, may it be so. Oh, Lord, could I have a little bit of this? Okay, watch this. Flip over a couple of pages. Go to John chapter 20 now. John chapter 20. I've I've got it on the screen for those of you that are not using Bibles. John chapter 20, verses 21-22. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. 21-22. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And now verse 22. And with that, he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And they did. Remember how I told you, watch that future tense in John 14? His last will and testament. He will be in you. He will be in you. Future tense. Jesus doesn't use the future tense now. Why? He has died and risen from the dead and He is in His glorified resurrection body. Because He has conquered death and because He has conquered sin and because He has risen, now He says, now it's no more will be. He breathes on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit. God, the Spirit, presses into their spirits and their hearts and their minds and their bodies, and God takes up residency. Oh, my goodness. Hey, that part where it says, he breathes on them, does that remind you of anything? Those of you that are Bible students, has has God done the breath thing before? Where? Genesis. Exactly right. Genesis 2, 7. God creates male and female in His own image and likeness. And then it says, God breathes into them life. It's all a God thing. And now, after His resurrection... He breathes into people His life. At creation, we got life. At the resurrection, we get His life. God take Adam and Eve didn't have that. The glorified Jesus Christ opens the door so that God the Spirit can literally step into every human being's soul. That's why you see the Bible saying all over in the New Testament, Christ in you, Christ in you, the spirit in you, the spirit in you, the father and I will come and make our abode with you. God's trying to get across that a new existence happens when the spirit comes upon us. And you say, yeah, but I wasn't there. You didn't have to be. It can happen to you today. I mean, you may believe in God. You may know scriptures. You may be a member of a church. Those are all good things. But the essential thing is, have you experienced the second birth? The second breathing? That's why he says to the great religious scholar, Nicodemus, Jesus says, Nicodemus, you know everything, but you got nothing, man. You must be born a second time. And that's the new birth, the breathing in, where God takes up residency inside us. If that's not happened to you, I promise to have a prayer at the end of the message today so that you can enter in to what we're talking about. That's what it is to be a Christian. To have joined your inner self with the true God who comes to join with you. It's wonderful. I can't imagine life without God. Okay, so... All right, so how do we attain inner peace? Peace is in a person, and that person is the spirit. And unless you have the spirit of God, you'll never know supernatural inner peace. Okay, that's number one. Now, a lot of you are saying, I have the spirit in me, and I still have high anxiety most of the time. All right, we got to get you through that. You need to be filled with the spirit again and again and again and again, and again. It's a present continuousness. And so here's the first thing I'd say to those of you who already have the Spirit living in you and you've been born again. You need to develop the practice of every day more than once saying, Spirit, fill me with yourself. Spirit, fill me. See, it's not that he ever leaves. It's just um, we always ask him to sit in the chair while we go about our day. And he wants to be in everything. Spirit, fill me. Spirit, fill me. I need God's spirit for everything. I needed him this morning. The left contact went in quite nice. (laughs) But the right one, I have a tough time with the right one. I tried it two or three times. Oh, I said, God, just sit in the chair. I'm putting my contacts in. Right? And finally I said, oh, Lord, I need you even in this give me a steady hand so that puppy sticks to the eyeball. Uh, I'm not kidding, you guys. I have to practice being filled with the Spirit every time I try to put in contacts. And it's also the huge things. It's, God, one of our children's really struggling. The teen years are hard years. Lord, we don't know how to help him. Lord, fill us with your Spirit so that you parent him through us. Lord, my marriage is in trouble. Lord, I don't know how to fix it. A lot of the time I don't want to. Lord, help. And the Holy Spirit becomes the lover of your spouse in you. That's where you want to get life to. And that gives you peace. Okay? Now, carry on with me. Something else we've got to hit on. I promised you that we would also find out this thing about peace requires practice. Turn with me now to a second passage in your Bibles, and that is Philippians chapter 4. We read one of the verses earlier. Philippians chapter 4. Peace comes from practice. Verses 11 through 13. 11 through 13. They're on the slide for you if you don't have a Bible. 11 through 13. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul, who wrote this, is one of the apostles of Jesus Christ. And he says, I had to learn contentment. Another word for peace, isn't it? It's a wonderful word. It means inner calm and equilibrium. He says, I had to learn it. And what's it say there? Twice, he says, I have learned. I have learned. That means it's learnable. That means humans can get this thing. And and, and look what he says after that. He says, I have learned a secret. This is a secret. If you don't know Jesus Christ personally, it's a secret and you can't get it. Remember how Jesus said, the peace that I give, the world can't get. Paul's saying the same thing. This is a secret, but I've learned it. I've learned it. And if you know Jesus Christ, you can learn it too. And then, look what he says. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, well-fed or hungry, whether living with a lot of money or not having much at all. I have learned it, it says, in any and every situation. Every. That's weird. Is it? possible to live in a sense of equilibrium and peace no matter what goes on. Well, Paul says he had. And you go, oh, well, that's easy. He probably had an easy life. He was probably part of Downton Abbey or something. (laughs) Had everything given to him. No, no. We know that he was beaten eight times. We know that he was in jail at least twice or three times. We know that he was stoned and left for dead. We know that he was shipwrecked, that he was bitten by poisonous vipers, that people that uh, tried to kill him wherever he went. He did not have an easy life. And he says, I have learned equilibrium in every circumstance. Weird. All right. What did he learn? Stay with me in this passage, okay? Go up from verse 11 and now go back to 6 through 9. And this is not on the screen for you, so you're going to have to have it there in the Bible. But he's going to tell you the two things he learned to be able to have a peaceful spirit in all situations. One, look at verse 6. So don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Stop right there. Those of you who write in your Bibles, circle the word that starts with the letter T. Thanksgiving. Don't worry about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving prayer 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 is the first lesson for peacefulness but it's a kind of prayer it's thanksgiving prayer do you ever pray to god about things and you're more worried after you've prayed than you were before yeah because you're thinking about it so much you go oh man god this is even worse than i was thinking Paul didn't do that. Paul gave every request to God from the right eye contact to the putting back together of the marriage to peace in the world and food for the starving. He prayed about all those things. But it says always with thanksgiving. Always with thanksgiving. Why? Because it's attitudinal. No matter how bad it is, God is bigger than the bad. And when you pray with thanksgiving, you're saying, God, here's what it is. I thank you that this is now in your hands. And there isn't anything that he can't handle. The worst situation in your life is not too big for God. And so, as you pray, you go, you give it to God, and you go, "Thank you, Lord, that this now belongs to you, and I can't wait to see what you're going to do." And you can trust Him. Now, I found a great quote from a wonderful pastor teacher that we that all of us here spent a lot of time reading. His name is Tim Keller. And this is what Tim Keller says about this verse, Thanksgiving in prayer. He says, "The reason you can give Thanksgiving in any prayer." is because God's got it figured out. And here's what he says, as if it was God. He says, Whenever you make a request, I always answer with what you would have asked for if you know everything I know. Can I read that again for you? Whenever you make a request of me, I always answer with what you would have asked for If you knew everything I know. God answers our prayers in his perfection, in his sovereignty, in his wholeness. And so Paul is saying thanksgiving prayer, thanksgiving prayer. Look what he says right after that. He says, and when you do this, the peace of God, which transcends all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's the first T. Now, look at the second one because it's in verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what's the next word there? Think. That's the second T word. Circle it. Think. About what? Those things. Think about Those things. The word think there means fixate on it. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, fixate on that. You've got to accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative. I don't know how that goes after that. It's not just, quote, positive thinking. It's positive believing in God. Whatever it is. God who is true. God who is honorable. God who is holy. God who is pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy. Think that Way And look, there's the promise again. And the God of peace will be with you. So there it is. Do you know the person of peace, the Holy Spirit? Has he taken up residency in you? And as he is in you, are you freely cooperating with him through thanksgiving praying and right thinking? And the promise, Paul says, the secret is when you get into that kind of living, the peace of God covers your life. All right, I'm going to close in prayer now. And two prayers. The the first, if there are some of you in here who have said, well, I've believed in God, but I didn't know that I could know God personally then I want to give you the opportunity right now to receive forgiveness for your sins and to let God take up residency in your life through His Holy Spirit, okay? All right, I'm going to pray for that. And then if you pray this with me, please come down here after the service is over so we can give you a little packet of materials that helps you understand that or go to the visitor center for it. But please do this. Okay, I'm going to pray the prayer and then I'm going to ask you to raise your hands if you're praying it with me. Okay? All right. For all of you who have never experienced the Spirit of God coming to live in you, here is your prayer. God, I need you. Please forgive me for all the wrong in my life. I give my life to you. And now the most important part of the prayer. Lord, come into me now. I receive you, Holy Spirit. God, come into me now. I receive you, Holy Spirit. Amen. How many of you prayed that with me? Hands here, cross, over here, any? Balcony? Yeah, over here? I receive you now. For those of you who prayed that by faith believing, God has forgiven you your sins by the blood of Jesus and He is taking up residence in you. Now for the rest of my brothers and sisters who have the Spirit in you but you squish Him all the time. Pray following me. Lord, forgive me for living life apart from you. Pray that out loud, church. Lord, forgive me for living life apart from you. Fill me with your Spirit. Once again, fill me with your spirit. And the peace of God that transcends all comprehension shall guard your hearts and your lives in Jesus Christ. On the screen, we have a candle. It is flickering. I hope it's up there because by faith, I'm not looking. (laughs) And the reason it's flickering is because of this, you guys. Your awareness of the Spirit and leaning into Him is a flickering thing. We go in and out. But I promise you this, you can flame on a lot more than you have been. And enjoy the peace of God. Amen and amen.